Secret Cabinet. Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Secret Cabinet. This show is created by Deb Budla and I, as usual, am your humble translator, Travis Dow. And again, we offer one of the many stories that did not make it into the history books. Today, drinking and sailing, booze on the high sea. Hardly a profession from the pages of history is so connected with the exceptionally high rate of enjoyment of alcohol, as in seamen and women. And that, even though in comparison to their contemporaries, for the most part, they had the largest distance to the next pub, miles away somewhere on the seven seas. But for that, there's a plausible explanation. Not only that they had a hard job, and with the help of alcohol, made the everyday burden a little lighter, and there's also a practical reason. One drank it for health reasons. Even though, for the most part, they were on water, dying of thirst was still a great risk. And it's said correctly that about the same amount of people have died in the desert as on the ocean of thirst. And water didn't keep very well, and not that long ago. Bacteria and disease and unfit containers like reusing containers for butter or sauerkraut. It all led to the fact that the water that was brought along became, became undrinkable pretty quick. Alcoholic liquids had a much longer shelf life, and so were brought along on merchant and warships. Not just tolerated, but strictly planned into the supplies. In southern Europe, wine dominated. Italian and French sailors in the 16th and 17th century demanded half to a whole liter of wine a day, about a quart. The Spanish Armada, that with 130 warships under command of Philip II, 1588, that sailed against England in order to clarify the situation on the world's ocean for once and for all, there was, besides 2,431 cannons, 27,000 soldiers, and 180 priests, also 14,000 barrels with around 2.3 million liters of wine on board. It uh, apparently didn't do much. In England, and the more northerly latitudes generally had beer on board. Wine and brandy was usually just reserved for the officers. The Royal Navy poured out, according to records in 1691, sailors four and a half liters of beer a day. That the sailors weren't slurring and lolling from the rigging was because it was a particularly thinned out beer. The Scandinavians still call it light oil. It was only one to one and a half percent alcohol. Just like the old saying, two beers is a meal. And one still hasn't done anything against the, the thirst, which beer bellies can testify. Beer and wine have a lot of calories. Also in earlier times, that was known. On ships from Danzig, between 1522 and 1611, only one meal was given out a day, even though the marines were also given wine. And otherwise, there's only beer on board. So, two meals. Only when new distillation methods of the 17th century made higher-proof spirits cheaper then the sailors also got schnapps, whiskey, rum, and gin. And for health reasons. Not for the disinfection of wounds. The pioneers were, as usual, or as often, the British. 
that at the end of the 17th or beginning of the 18th century switched over from the usual beer rations to an additional half pint of rum per person per day. Starting in 1756, even twice that. One already started drinking hard alcohol, often to the sometimes non-existent breakfast, since one believed it helped against worms and scurvy, which is really a vitamin deficiency. And sometimes it really had an effect, but not because of the alcohol, but because to make it taste better, one often used lemon juice. But it took a while before cause and effect would finally really be known. Not surprising, therefore, that one always had plenty of supply of alcohol on board. Magellan, for instance, in preparation for his circumnavigation of the world, 1519, spent more money on sherry as for weapons, and as Captain Cook planned his circumnavigation, besides 45 tons of water and 19 tons of beer, he had 2,920 liters of wine and 6,350 liters of rum, although he tried to resupply every stop on the way. And besides, it was believed that slightly tipsy sailors would mouth off less against the command. And in fact, when punitive measures like whipping didn't help anymore to keep the discipline on board going, one took the drastic measure of only handing out rum that had been watered down. Where one also practically invented grog. According to legend, this was first done by the British Vice Admiral Edward Vernon, 1740, because of an old coat from Grogham, an old fabric with the nickname Old Grog, the name carried over to the new drink, later improved with lime juice or sugar. Unfortunately, it's only a legend, because decades earlier in the 17th century, the drink had become popular in the Caribbean, where it was known as Grog, in the so-called Grog Shops but due to the excess amounts of alcohol consumption, were still groggy the next day. That's where it comes from, I guess. And therefore lacked work, effort, and discipline. The alcohol consumption on ships slowly went down. The Dutch were the first that 1905 decided it was enough of the party and stopped giving out daily rations. The Brits, who were no longer the lords of the world's oceans weren't ready until 1970. But at least then they had the most style. Because on the 31st of July 1970, the last rum barrels on board the British Navy's ships were ceremoniously, often even under musical accompaniment, and draped in the Union Jack, given a burial at sea. A day that is known as the Black Tot Day. And in contrast to the usual memorial services, normally didn't like to show up, here apparently attendance was high. The Portsmouth General Post Office even printed a stamp for the occasion with the slogan, Last Issue of Rum in the Royal Navy, July 31st, 1970. Other seafaring nations followed. According to international law in 2012, there's regulations for the International Maritime Organization of Blood Alcohol Content of 0.05 for responsible sea people. Only the French, big surprise, still to this day hold fast and give out wine rations to their sailors on the high sea. Well, so, a votre sante, chin chin, break a mast. I'm Travis Dow, and this show's by Diabudla. Thank you.